This episode of Theater Notes is brought to you by the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of Theater Notes. I'm Chris Peterson, host, founder of Onstage Blog. Absolutely elated that you're joining me today. Um, there's a lot to talk about. We are only talking about one thing today, and that is actors' equity and what is happening right now. Because if you haven't seen the news, if you haven't been on social media, um, I'm just going to call it like it is. The union is imploding on itself. The union is divided. Members of this union are divided in a way that I have never seen before. Um, and there are problems there that if they don't get addressed in the right way, uh, there's going to be some serious problems down the road, especially when this industry resumes. So we're going to get into all of that this week. Right off the bat, if you haven't seen the news, yesterday, being um, April 22nd, there was a march on Broadway that happened in Midtown Manhattan. It started at Columbus Circle, and they great speeches by a lot of great individuals, um, and then they moved down past Scott Rudin's office, and then they ended up uh, in front of Acker's Equities office in Midtown. And um, it was awesome to see that many people. It was a great turnout. There were hundreds of people there. The speeches by individuals, performers who had, you know, faced harassment, had faced bullying, had experienced racism. Um, they were speeches that were both heartbreaking to hear and inspiring. Um, I personally was not there in person, but I, I was kind of watching on social media. Um, we, we did have a, a writer down there, um, Karen, who did a, a great job talking to a bunch of people and covering the event for us. But um, it was just awesome it was awesome to see that many people turn out and, and voice their, their opinions and voice their opposition to what was happening. It's a beautiful thing, and it was peaceful. It was a peaceful demonstration, and um, it, it was just great. And I, I applaud anybody who was down there both to uh, voice their opinions, to amplify, or just to attend and support and clap and all of those things. I appreciate all of that. Um, Here's the thing, though. That protest should never have happened because the problems that they were protesting should never have happened to begin with. And what I'm sensing and what I'm seeing from comments on social media, what's being reported to me, what's being sent to me, is that there is this divide between members right now because of these issues. You have one half. I shouldn't say... I don't want to say half because it's probably not that big you know, in terms of numbers, um, but there's a good section of, of Actors' Equity members that are saying, we're done. You know, we're through with this because we don't like the way that the union is running itself. We don't like the fact that they're asking for dues in the middle of a pandemic um, when they're preventing us from going back to work. Um, we don't like the fact that there are real problems with representation, that there are real problems with communication and accountability, and just understanding what, what is the plan? Why am I paying into a system or for a membership when I have no idea 
what the plan is. So that you've got a, a section that are feeling that way. And then you've got another section saying, look, I know it's imperfect, but it, you know, the, it's better than having no union. And the only way we can fix this is by you know, continuing to pay dues, continuing to have the union around, and, and then fixing it as we go along because we've got people in place that have pledged to make changes. So that's the argument. And the animosity between the two is getting heated very quickly. It's getting heated very quickly. And I understand why. There are people on one side that rely on the union for health care, for certain benefits, um, for obviously auditions and professional you know, opportunities when those decide to come up again. I understand. And without the union, a lot of people are at risk. So my issue is never with the concept of a union. I am a former union, not, not Actors' Equity, but I'm a, a former union member myself. I have worked alongside un, different unions. I have worked, I've hired union um, members and staff and things like that. I'm a supporter of the concept of a union. They do phenomenal work when they're ran by the right people. They, these unions live and die with those who organize and run them just a fact. And with Actors' Equity, there are serious issues and questions surrounding the leadership of this organization, primarily looking at Kate Schindel, the president, Mary McCall, the executive director, and Brandon Lorenz, director of communications. There it is. So I understand that. On the other side, you've got people that their frustration, their panic, their... um, Fear, you could say, has been growing and brewing for over a year. Now, I'm going to tell a story that is in, it's going to sound like a first world problem story, and I apologize, but it's the closest thing I could probably come up with to understand how these people feel. Um, last summer, huge storm came into Connecticut, knocked out power in my neighborhood. I was without power for um, close to a week close to a week. It was like five days. Um, And by day four or five, I started to lose it. And thankfully, I had family in the area that my wife and my son uh, and myself could go and live with for a couple days, and they still had power. But um, I was starting to lose it. And I started to get irrationally angry at employees at the power company who had nothing to do with the transformer that exploded on our street, which knocked out power to the entire neighborhood. Um, so take my frustration from that and multiply it by over a year. I can't imagine the mindset that some of these people are in right now. And when you've got people that have been going through this, whose state government, whose federal government, whose union has not come up with a concrete plan to get them back to work or to even get them paid any funds whatsoever, I mean... Gosh, getting unemployment from New York State right now, just look at that mess. Um, I get it, and everybody should get it. And it just, it's preposterous to me that there are some people within this organization, uh, whether it's fellow members, people that work within it, that just can't see that. They can't go that far and understand 
that level of frustration and not wanting to keep paying for a membership that is not doing anything currently for them and doesn't have a plan necessarily to, to get back to work. So I get it. Um, what I don't like seeing is the harassment on both sides. I've been forwarded emails from people that work within the union, council members who have gotten harassing DMs, bullying comments, threats. Um, that's unacceptable. On the flip side, I've seen heartless comments from other union members basically telling these folks, get over it. This is what it is. Sorry. Sorry you feel this way, but, you know, this is how the system works. And if you don't like it, leave, blah, blah, blah. Can't work that way either. Can't work that way. So you're starting to see this divide happen. And, you know, I have an interesting relationship with the union. Um, I have never been told explicitly, but I'm going to guess that they the leadership doesn't like me very much because they don't return my emails or phone calls or any of that stuff. I mean, they used to, but they don't anymore. Um, and they've put out statements that say that they're going to, you know, they value, you know, um, you know, protecting the workplace, protecting their members from bullying and racism and all these things. And yet I've seen uh, and, and met with members who have gone through some of the worst treatment uh, working on these productions who have asked for union help and either have been ignored, gaslit, um, turned down, uh, aid in help and investigations and, and to file formal complaints. I, I tweeted this the other day. I said, remember James Pierce the third, who was on Anastasia, who endured terrible treatment towards the end of that run and he went to the union representation and four separate times he asked to file complaints and each time his union representation said well instead of doing that let's have a meeting or hey instead of doing that just remember I mean that could be seen as retaliatory do you sure you want to do this um, or hey you know what? maybe you should just lay low and that will solve the problem? Or, you know what, why don't you meet with Mary McCall first and before we file a complaint and see what can be done there? So this group did everything they possibly could, it looked like, to basically prevent themselves from having to go through this formal complaint process. And four times James asked, and, I, and he saved the emails. James is, James is a, if you've never met James Pierce, um, I encourage you to engage with him because he is one of the smartest people I have ever met in this industry. And he saved everything. So I saw those emails. I saw the replies he got to those emails. I saw where he verbatimly asked to file complaints to start kickstart an investigation. And you know what happened? The show closed. And therefore his complaints, his claims were forfeit because the show was closed. So the union basically ran out the clock on him. That's what happened. And when that article came out, there were some people that obviously were like, oh my gosh, thank you for reporting this, James. I'm so sorry. You know, let's, let's, let's make sure this never happens again. But there were also some people, especially some people that worked on Anastasia, that emailed me personally and said, look, if you saw what James was really like backstage, you know that he's lying, that his claims aren't true, um, they're exaggerations, blah, blah, blah. I basically dismissed those, first of all, because you know what? Those came from people that, that aren't walking in James's shoes. They're not looking at his perspective. They have no idea what it's like to face 
daily microaggressions at work and not for nothing, but if I was going through that on a daily basis, I don't know how good of a coworker I would be either. I don't know how pleasant I would be around uh, to be around uh, when there is, excuse my language, a penis drawn on the wall above my name in the dressing room, which happened to James. Read the article. Anyway, um, that's just me. But even for a second, think for just a second, even if James was lying, which he's not, but even if he was, and he was making all this up when he was emailing Equity, why were they ignoring his pleas? Four times. It shouldn't take four emails of a the only black cast member of a show who is experiencing racism to get someone at the union to investigate, to start a formal investigation process. That's it. On the first try, that should have happened. And the problem I have with this union is I've seen that happen multiple times. I've had multiple people. And when I say multiple people, I mean more than five, six, or seven. Okay? Multiple people have come up and had the same experiences that James had when it came to trying to get this union to protect them to do what they are being paid dues to do. Gosh, I hate that sentence, but that's what it is. So how are you going to tell someone like James Pierce, hey, I know the union failed you at every step. Yes, they got a collective bargaining agreement signed long ago that's helping you get paid and ensuring lunch and different breaks and things like that, but I know that they're failing you personally right now. Could you still keep paying them, please, though? Because, you know, it, it's better to have them do a terrible job than, you know, not have them being around at all. How does that work? How do you have the gall to say like something like that to someone like James Pierce or anybody else who has experienced the same thing with this organization? And again, I believe in unions. I believe in what they are set up to do. They live and die with the people that run them. So let's talk about the people that run them. Um, I've had my issues with all of them in the past. Um, and I have issues with, you know, mainly the communication that we've seen from the union. And I've been forwarded a lot of things. I've seen a lot of newsletters. I've seen a lot of announcements. I've been privy to a lot more than you would think as a non-union member, you know, blogger. Um, the level and amount and type of communication that has come out from plans to reopen to what they're going to do about inclusion and improving diversity and all these other things has, in my opinion, been either inconsistent or dismal. It's never been excellent for a period of time. Um, that's my opinion. I know people out there that feel differently that say, no, it's fine. They're doing they're doing everything the right way. Shut up, Chris. Okay, that's that's your opinion. But I know for at least my opinion is being shared by a lot of people um, within the union. A lot of people are feeling this way. Otherwise, I wouldn't get mentioned or tagged or emailed or DM'd all, <laughs> all the time. So let's just let's just make that official. Okay. So in my opinion, the communication has been awful inconsistent or dismal. And a good example of this happened literally as the protest was happening yesterday, where at 1.26 p.m., Actors' Equity put out a tweet announcing the first vice president, the new first vice president of the union, Wadetta Carter, who is um, 
an incredible actress. She's also a, a black woman. And uh, I've seen her in a couple different productions, and she is just glorious, glorious performer. And beyond that, um, everybody I've talked to, because I don't know her personally, but everybody I've talked to said, of course she's in this position now because she is the perfect person to be in it. And I'm so thrilled to hear that. And everybody said to me who knows her said, Chris, if people are looking for change, you better believe that she is going to do everything she can to impact it. And I believe them. So, yay. And her appointment, selection, election, I don't know how the process went about that she, she was made this uh, first um, vice president, but it should be something that's celebrated universally. Celebrate it, yes. Praise it. Amplify it. Absolutely. Don't make your first tweet about it at 1.26 p.m. as a protest is coming down the street to your front door calling you out for a lack of representation, calling you out for a lack of diversity, calling you out for not answering the call of BIPOC performers. Don't do it at that moment. At 1.26 p.m., that's when they put the tweet out. And a lot of people, when I, I said this on Twitter, I said, am I the only person that has a problem with this? And a lot of people said, no, no, that, that's, that's messed up. But a couple other people said, look, you know, they made the decision on Tuesday and we put out a press release on Wednesday about this and blah, blah, blah. Fine, but your first tweet was still at 1.26 p.m. And for me, um, looking at that, uh, I looked at it as another example of just bad communications skills and strategy from the union. And whether that falls on Mary McCall, whether it falls on Kate Schindel, whether that falls on Brendan Lorenz, it's somebody's fault. And a lot of people are saying, Chris, you, you know, you're thinking too much into this. This isn't some conspiracy theory. It's not some ploy and blah, blah, blah. No, you're right. It's not. But here's the thing. It can only be one of two things. And both are bad. And here it is. The first is, either it was a calculated action and plan because the union knew that a protest, which is getting a lot of local coverage from local publications, as well as a huge social media following, and potentially a national news coverage because guess where it's happening? Midtown New York, where every single 24-hour news station has a headquarters. So the potential there was for a lot of eyes to be on Actors' Equity between the hours of 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. that day. So knowing that, I'm, you know, maybe people behind the social media content creation at Actors' Equity were saying, oh my God, we have to do something to at least show that we're you know, embracing diversity and let's try to quell this this uh, protest in some way or another. Um, oh, you know what? We haven't we haven't tweeted anything about Miss Carter's uh, election yet. Let's put that out. Let's put out that and 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 put her face on the tweet and and therefore you know maybe people won't be uh, as upset with us. So that's that's option number one. Either they did that, or they didn't think about anything at all, and they just put it out there willy nilly, not thinking about the optics, not thinking about the holes and how those would be perceived by people when they see that tweet. And just so you know, I am not just guessing when it comes to, to social media strategy. I've worked in social media strategy. I've worked in publicity for both big and, and small organizations. Everything that is put out there properly by, by people that know what they're doing, everything is put out there in a calculated fashion. 
They think about everything. They think about image. They think about tone. They think about reception. Before they put out a tweet, a Facebook post, whatever it may be, press release, they think about everything. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what someone who has experience in training in PR, publicity, whatever it may be, that's what you're supposed to do. So either they were doing what they were supposed to do and it was just a terrible, terrible action and completely unfair to Miss Carter, who is, again, selection to that post-election appointment is something that should be universally celebrated. Incredibly unfair. Or it was done with no thought at all, and that's the scary thing, is that there is no publicity um, strategy or social content strategy there of how they communicate to people. So it's one of the two folks. And that's my other issue. And I'm not the only person that has been you know, hearing about communication issues within the union. Just look at social media. Just read comments of people saying, we have no idea what's going on. Every single town hall that's happened, a common complaint that comes up is the, the communication coming from the union. I'm not making this up as I go. So again, like if, if, if that falls squarely on Brendan Lorenz's head, then maybe you need to make a change. Maybe Brendan needs to have a different role with the union. Or maybe he doesn't need to be with the union at all anymore. Because these failings in communication can have incredibly damaging results, especially when a good portion of your members are as mad as hell right now. So, and by the way, have every right to be as mad as hell. So this is the problem that we're seeing. This is the issue with the union. There's this massive divide. And it's not going to get better. It's also not going to be solved when the industry resumes. I'm sorry. It's not like... I I equate it to like couples who think having kids will solve their problems. Okay? That's not... This isn't going to fix anything. In fact, I am predicting that when the industry does resume fully back to its original state, which, Bob, by the way, it probably won't happen until this time next year, um, that these problems will continue, if not getting larger. And one person I talked to said, Chris, I would not be surprised if in less than 50 years from now there is absolutely no union at all. And that would be a tragedy. That would be a tragedy. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that at all. Now, there are a lot of people, I've seen the comments, I've gotten emails, people that accuse me of being this rabble riser, rouser, rabble riser, rouser, rabble rouser, there you go, um, or someone who is, is you know, um, putting out propaganda or someone who's encouraging the divide where, like, I'm the, you know, Zemo in the Marvel Civil War movie where I'm like, I want these people to battle each other. That's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. I want actors' equity to be the very best it can be for every single one of their members. Not one single member left out. Not one single member to be gaslit or ignored when they're going through some terrible things in their jobs. So I love what actors' equity stands for and their existence and what they have done for people in the past. My issue, and I don't want it to get it twisted, verbatim is these organizations live and die with the people that run them and Actors' Equity has a real 
um, substantial uh, issue with leadership right now. And I don't think anybody can deny that. Really quickly, though, I do want to do a special shout-out to people that are working within the union, council members, delegates, um, basically anybody who is right now working within that, that space to do that's doing everything they can. I've heard from them. I've heard from multiple people. They've, they've shown me emails that they've gotten uh, that are just awful, by the way. If you're... By the way, not for nothing, if you're someone who's sending bullying, harassing, threatening emails to a council member, to a delegate, and stuff like that, stop. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't solve anything. It makes you look like a jerk, and I swear to God, the next email that I get, I'm putting out there publicly because it's, it's awful, some of the stuff I've read so far. There are people in this organization, council members, that are doing good work. They are doing good work. They are beating their heads against the wall because that good work is not being communicated. Okay? I've seen it. I've seen the emails. I've seen the communications between council members and leadership and, and basically people asking, why aren't we saying these things out loud? Why aren't we telling the public about certain things? I've seen it. It is, it is beyond me. It's beyond me. I have no idea. I have no idea. So... Let me close this up because I, I apologize if this rant has gone a long way too much, but I wanted to dedicate this entire episode just to talk about issues with Actors' Equity from my perspective. Um, and I welcome, by the way, in the comment sections, underneath the social media postings, write whatever you want. Whatever your perspective is, write whatever you want. You are welcome in this conversation. Um, but these issues are substantial, they're serious, and they need solving. And to do so, you need the right people at the table to have this conversation. And sadly, there's one side that just doesn't have those people right now. I've lost faith. I've lost confidence in some of those people. So I don't know where this goes. I don't know how it ends. It's probably not going to end. So for those of you thinking that the battle lines, you know, people are going to drop their you know, swords and go home, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And the, you know, until these changes are enacted. Now, I know there's a convention coming up with Actors' Equity. I know that there's a, an opportunity to um, introduce new policies, adapt new resolutions, and things like that. I would encourage Actors' Equity to make that as transparent and public as they possibly can. I would encourage them to, if seats needed to be brought in, you know, theoretical seats, needed to be brought in for representation so that we can see exactly how these things go, do it. Not me, I shouldn't say me personally, but like anybody who needs to be in that room at that table to see the process, do it. You lose nothing and you can gain everything. You can start gaining people's trust back. So that's it. Um, Again, I'm sorry for going on so long. Um, But these are important things to talk about. So let's get it together. Actors' equity, get it together. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Theater Notes. I should stop saying this week's because I've been doing multiple episodes per week. So that wraps up this episode. I'll see you soon. You can find this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. I go into the top of the page and just click on Podcasts, and all of them are right there. This is also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So check it out. Like, subscribe. I promise you it's going to keep going. And uh, we'll see where we can go from here. But thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, This has been Theater Notes. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.